Sales win rates have plummeted to a mere 17%, and outdated technology and tedious manual processes are to blame. Meanwhile, managers lack the visibility they need to hold their teams accountable. But imagine a world in which these crippling issues are solved automatically. Revenue.io automates the most frustrating parts of sales so reps can focus on what they do best, selling. Completely automate pre-call research, logging conversation data in your CRM, writing post-conversation recap emails, and prioritized outreach. And as reps book more meetings and close more deals, managers gain the real-time insight they need to scale what's working across their entire team. Ready to say goodbye to tedious sales processes and watch your win rate soar? Head over to Revenue.io to learn more. It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello and welcome to Accelerate. You know, I'm really looking forward to talking with my guest today. Joining me is Jack Kozakowski, who's the global head of social sales disruption at Creation Agency. So social sales disruption, I'm not sure what that is, but I love the sound of it. So it's definitely something we need to talk about. Jack, welcome to the show. Yeah, buddy. So social sales disruption, Let's, uh, let me sum that up. So what, I'm, what I do is I come in and I take traditional mindset and I take it over the chasm and then your sales process comes with that mindset and shifts. So they kind of align together. Mindset shift, <laughs> sales process shift. All right. Well, I think we're going to have to dissect that a little bit. So, so let's start. We'll start first and say, okay, what's creation agency? But tell us before you get to what creation agency is, because I know it's a relatively new employer. Tell us a little bit about you, how you got to this point in your life. Yeah, so, um, you know, been in sales for about um, 11 years, 12 years, um, been in and out of different industries, started, uh, my first sales job was actually selling pay-per-click uh, Google AdWords, and it was when nobody knew what Google AdWords was, so you'd call them and they'd go, what, you know, what's Google, right? Like, um, so that was interesting, did that for about a year and a half, um, had some fun, and then I went into um, online education, so I was the assistant director of admissions for an online nursing school, that was interesting, mm -hmm. um, which is a fancy word for you know selling online degrees, right? Right. Uh, and I worked with masters students, um, student BSN students that were looking to go into the masters program. So it was kind of interesting. Um, and then I went into manufacturing sales at a company called Interlake Mechalux, where I was an outside sales for I don't know a little less than two years selling automation warehouse equipment. Let me tell you, one of the sexiest, most um, innovative industries you'll ever be in, and I would, I'm you know, being joking about that. Um, and then I you know, got an opportunity to go into SaaS. So I was with Acton Software, um, which in my opinion, best marketing automation platform on earth. And mm -hmm. you know, I really got a great, I had a great experience there, you know, it was, had a lot of success, you know, with the President's Club and, you know, did all the things that um, you're supposed to do, you know, was one of the top reps there. But one thing I really learned about there was I really understood, I really got to understand marketing because I never, 
you know, in my sales career before I'd ever really had any, put any weight on marketing, kind of always thought it was just kind of a waste of time, right? Like marketing doesn't really do much for you. Um, and when I went to act on, you know, I had to sell this big fancy, uh, you know, uh, technology that was sold to CMOs, directors of marketing, people that had been marketing for a really long time. And I had no marketing background. So I really had to understand marketing and that's how I got in like truly like deep into social selling without even knowing that that's what I was doing. Um, because I was actually trying to learn marketing so that I could have a conversation with the CMO. Uh, you know, one time I had a, when I first started, a CMO told me, you, you know, you're trying to sell me a, a, a $30,000 technology and you don't know anything about what I do. You know nothing about my day to day. Um, and it really kind of opened my eyes and I, you know, went all in on the marketing side. And the next thing I know, I was using social in my sales process. And, uh, you know, not, I was making the least amount of calls, some quarters of all the reps that were there, you know, 80 to 100 reps and getting the most amount of revenue. So then I'm like, I'm on to something. So started documenting it, putting on content, putting into processes and, uh, you know, hard work pays off. And now I'm at the creation agency. Which is, what do they do? So Creation Agency is the second um, largest marketing automation agency in Europe, and they have three offices over there, so they're global. They work all over Europe, and um, they do digital marketing. It's really, really high-level marketing automation stuff from um, top of the funnel all the way down. Uh, work with nine of the Fortune 50, I believe is the number. So big companies, um, you know, doing big things, doing very innovative things, very forward-thinking, disruptive things. Uh, to really help companies stay ahead of the curve, um, you know, some we have to catch up to the curve, but really it's about, I, I like to use the word disruption, I know maybe it's an overused term, but really doing things that nobody else is doing yet, right, and doing them first. Okay, so disruption, what are you disrupting? What's your job? What do you do? So, so typically, right now what you have in a lot of companies is, you know, you have digital marketing that is they're catching up with or they're staying ahead of the curve with. But what ha what's happening is sales is not staying ahead of the curve with anything, right? Still got people, you know, selling like it's 1980, maybe even 1960s, right? What's the, what's the ad guy? I can't remember his name, but, um, well, in the, in the 80s, they were selling the same as they sold at the turn of the century before that. So it, things hadn't changed much. Yeah. So with the digital shift, right? Um, you know, marketing is doing a lot more things and sales has got to be able to understand you know, what marketing is doing, where these channels, all these channels are, uh, you know, are happening. Buyers are here, they're there. And how do we take, you know, marketing data and customer data and from a sales perspective, how do we use these channels to, you know, af effectively communicate with more people on more channels with more of the buyer data personalized? And how do we take that Infuse that into our, you know, sales process that we're doing. I'll say traditional sales process, right? How do we infuse that into the sales process using phone, email, and then using social as the value piece between each and every one of those, right? And how do we use the social to give and add enough value to our buyers, right? To stay visible, stay valuable, and help us to get more conversations, more opportunities better buyer experience and, you know, ultimately is more revenue, right? So what is the role of social in providing that value? So the way that I look at social is, is social is a way to get connected with your buyers on, on a personal level, right? And 
really be able to understand your buyers more than just sell them. Um, you know, m majority of salespeople, you know, if you go through their email inbox, go through their sent box. I dare you to find one email that's anything but asking the buyer for something, right? Can we get the next meeting? Can we get to the decision maker? Can I get the contract? You know, there's not a lot of value in sales right now because honestly, phone and email are pretty tough, um, you know, to add value on outside of, you know, selling, right? Solving a business problem. But you gotta do more for buyers now. And that's where social comes in because you can actually help buyers be better at their day, right? You can leverage content to educate them about their industry. You can leverage content to um, communicate on how you could solve a business problem. Um, you can use content to show your thought leadership, your expertise in an industry. And there's a lot of other ways you could do it. You could, could share a webinar, right? You can advocate and share your network with your buyers because at the end of the day, people, you know, anybody can buy technology, right? So it's so competitive. What else do we have that could give us the value that's more than a technology? Because a buyer, when they're in the sales process, they don't only really have to be sold on the technology or the product, they gotta be sold on the salesperson and the people that are around the technology as well. Social allows us to be able to do that. But certainly social is not the only way. The only way to, to be able to demonstrate, because really what you're talking about is saying at the end of the day, if products are fundamentally perceived to be similar, okay. right, is, well, let me just spew this out here for a second. If, if products are, are fundamentally perceived to be different, then there's intangibles are really going to be the basis on which customers make a decision. I mean, if you're, if you're selling a marketing automation system and that as far as the customer are concerned, Hey, you guys are all basically the same. But I want to buy from Jack because, you know, Jack was able to do several things that, that I perceived that I felt some value from. But those don't all have to flow through social. Oh, no, it's in tandem, right? I mean, you've got to be doing everything right. <laughs> um, you know, when I, when, I, when I think of social, and, and, and I'm explaining it in this way because I want to keep it as simple as possible, right? Um, but when I think of social, is I think it, of it as one of the many pieces of the pie, right, to add value. Um, you know, when you're on the phone with a customer, of course you should be adding value on the phone as well, but typically when you're on the phone, you know, you don't get a lot of time to spend with customers to just, you know, chit chat, right? Um, so typically you're spending your time adding value from a business perspective, right? You're fixing, listening, um, analyzing, and fixing a business problem. And that's where you've got to have the good core of sales, right? In order to ever sell anything. Um, and then email. Um, you know, you can use email as a value tool as well. It's a little bit tougher, but really I just see that the competitive advantage right now is social, right? There's just so many creative ways to stay visible and valuable to your buyer um, outside of just selling them like you're typically doing on the phone or email. Sure. I mean, right. I just want to make sure I didn't want to leave the impression for people, especially, you know, people listening to the show, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're running a small company or you got a sales team is that there's still multiple channels for which you can provide and deliver value to your prospect. But what it requires is it requires that you really be deliberate about it. You have to be thoughtful about the fact that you have a requirement every time you interact with a prospect. If you're not delivering something of value, they're going to stop giving you their time. Absolutely. Um, it's just another way to strengthen, um, you know, the relationship with the buyer, you know, stay buyer, you know, buyer focused. Right. And, um, you know, there, there's so many ways to use it, but, 
really filling time gaps too. I mean, I can't tell you how many times you know you have a meeting, you're trying to control the sale, you got a lot of decision makers. What do you do in that two-week gap, right? To stay valuable and visible. Um, just many variety of ways to do it. But yes, at the end of the day, the core of sales will is, is the phone, right? Or an in-person meeting, however you get that. Um, that personal one-to-one -one touch. And you just want to have more resources. And the more resources that you have, especially if they can add value, um, is where you're going to get the competitive advantage and really get even deeper um, connected to that buyer from a business and personal perspective. All right. So let's, let's sort of dive, dive down a little bit because... Yeah, I got a an email today from a company that's advertising a, a webinar and an ebook, and they were talking about you know cold calling's dead, and that's a pretty well known company. And they talked about you know how you use LinkedIn, so you don't have to you know make cold cold calls, but you can warm them up. And the thing that I always sort of chuckle when I get email from this company is that yeah, they put out great content, but they don't eat their own dog food. And I get calls from their salespeople, and I should never get calls from their salespeople. Because I'm not their ideal customer profile. So how are we going to cross that chasm, as you talked about before, not in the sort of marketing sense, but how are we going to bridge that gap between people knowing, on one hand, what the best practices are, but getting salespeople to actually start using these social tools to warm up these cold calls to really help their prospecting in a meaningful way? I mean, it's just like anything else, right? I mean, there's, I think there's um, two, two, two to three components of that. You know, one is, um, you know, sales reps have to take the bull by the horns and be proactive versus reactive, right? Um, you know, sales is, a, sales is something that never stops evolving. Um, there's always new ways of doing things. There's always, you know, competitive tools. So, you know, you do have to take self, uh, I'm trying to think of the word. So you do have to take a little self-evaluation, right? and do some self-education because it is, you know, it is your quota. It's nobody else's, right? The company gives you a, a job and they tell you, you know, here's what you have to do. You have to create this much revenue in this amount of time, right? A lot of times they're not going to give you or they don't have the resources to give you all the tools to teach you what you need to know to be successful. Now, with that being said, then there's a the responsibility of the company, right? And I think social, um, there's a lot of, social is not easy. There's a lot of, of channels there's a lot of you know different every channel has different ways of doing things or you know you have success on one channel doing something different than the other and i've almost seen lately that social because of this lack of training right has actually backfired like you're talking about there's actually people that you know talk about this stuff that have never carried a bag they've never had a dollar amount behind them um and they're looking for the easy way out and that's how they're using social and they're using it wrong just like the example you gave so i think you know self-education training and then you know evolving and staying in the know because so one thing about social that makes it so tough is that right when you think you got something figured out either a new channel comes out or the channel that you think you have figured out changes something so you've really got to make social a, you know one of the focus areas of you know many things in in sales okay but if you're a sales leader or ceo and you're saying gosh yeah how do I how do I really embed social effectively into my sales process? What's the first step they should go through to do that? Well, first off, I would you know do a little research, right? If I'm a sales leader, um, I should probably know what my buyers are doing and where they're living, right? So you know, learn social on your own a little bit before you bash it. I see that too much in sales leadership. It's like, eh, there's no value in social. 
well, that's great, but you know what? Your opinion would be a lot more valid if I could find you on LinkedIn to tell me that, right? Um, so, <laughs> okay, but assume for a second that, that it's a sales leader actually has a LinkedIn profile and maybe has a Twitter account and, and you know shares content occasionally. But they're sort of stumped as like, okay, how do I train these 10 people on my sales team to use, to effectively use social, meaning to do the right thing with social? I mean, how do I, how, what's the first step? First step is you call me, my number, no, I'm just joking. Um, so, you know, do some research on people in the industry that are, um, you know, that have good content that you can tell and know what they're talking about and reach out to them and have a conversation, right? Um, if I'm not the master of something, I reach out to people that I can see that are doing things and making waves in the industry of where I need help. So that's the first thing I would suggest, right? Um, and then the second piece to that is, you know, make a commitment. Do you really believe that your sales team um, would be effective using social or are you still in the traditional mindset that it's a waste of time, right? So you've got to really make a mindset shift first that you want to make a commitment to this and that you think that this resource would be good for your sales team. Um, and I would highly suggest you in some very heavy self-education looking at case studies. Um, you know, there's a lot of case studies out there. And, and figure it out on your own to see if there's a value there first. And then reach out to somebody who actually knows what they're talking about and is actually in the weeds doing this stuff and getting a result. Yeah, or they could do something like listen to this podcast because I've had you and multiple guests on about social selling. Give you some good perspectives on, I think really the first thing is that making the leap for, for many sales leaders is hard because you said they think it's sort of a, a waste of time to some degree. And it's because they're unfamiliar with it. And so it seems to me the first step has to be is you have to have some sort of bite-sized piece that you can chew off that you're going to be able to integrate into your sales process and see some positive results. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the other thing is, I always say this, why is a sales leader deciding, you know, where they're going to connect with their buyers? Do a survey, you know, ask your buyers what channels they're on, right? You know, have conversations with your buyers. You know, what do you think? Would it be effective? Do you think? You know, you would enjoy our sales team sharing your content and giving you more, you know, visibility. You know, get get in the weeds with your buyers. They'll tell you everything you need to know of what you should and shouldn't be doing. Yeah. So, I mean, to clarify, maybe one of those first steps is have your salespeople go on LinkedIn discussion groups and engage in some conversations, not sales conversations, but conversations with prospective buyers that are there. Yeah, I mean, yes, but that could be dangerous as well, right? Because that could do more harm than good if they don't know what they're doing, right? Which you see a lot of. Well, yeah, again, but you're, you're right. They just do need to be trained to make sure they understand what it, what the role is when they're there. They're not there to sell. They're there to have conversations. You know, I saw this at Acton, right? I mean, we, you know, didn't have formal social selling training when I got there. And, you know, I saw some, we had some disasters on LinkedIn groups, right? Um, where you can't what? delete that stuff. <laughs> so... Well, but what the well? So tell people what did they do that was wrong? What were the disasters? So essentially, you know, you go into a group and and you know people ask you know for their help. I mean, if you go to these LinkedIn groups, there's a ton of people that will just open it up to say, "Hey, I'm looking for this type of solution, right? Which one? You know, which one would you suggest?" And when you get into these LinkedIn um, you know messages, there's a lot of people that don't tell the truth about a solution, right? But the last thing that you do is go on there and start an argument on LinkedIn, right? Especially if you don't really know what you're talking about. So there was a, you know, a couple of new reps that um, you know, made some claims and 
that weren't true and we couldn't get it deleted off of LinkedIn, right? So it just makes you everything we do on social is a footprint and, and a lot of them you can't get rid of. So you've got to do things right because, you know, maybe you don't want to look at it from the upside as a you know sales leader. Maybe you're saying, well, I don't know if we could generate revenue, but well, maybe you're going to you need to look at it as, hey, maybe I can stop us from losing revenue if we do proper training. Right. Because you don't want to say the wrong thing on social. Even one time has screwed up a lot of revenue for companies um, and made long term uh, disasters. All right. Well, good. Well, we're going to take a short break. Come back with my guest, Jack Kozakowski. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Andy. I've worked with thousands of sales reps to teach them how to use my zero-time selling to boost their productivity and transform their results. Now, if you would like to learn proven strategies to become the difference maker in your sales, to help you open more doors, have more effective sales conversations with prospects, and close more orders, then my zero-time selling interactive training system is a fit for you. Now, I have a special offer for you today. Act now to take a no-obligation, free trial of my zero-time selling interactive online training. It's incredibly simple to start. Just take out your cell phone now and text the word TRUST, that's T-R-U-S-T, to 96000. Now, you have your smartphone ready? You're going to send a text to 96000, that's a 9 and a 6, followed by three zeros. Now, enter the single word message TRUST and hit send. And you'll hear right back from me with instructions on how to sign up for your free trial of my zero time selling interactive training. And welcome back to the show with my guest today, Jack Kazakowski. We're talking about social sales disruption, social selling. And I guess one of the topics I want to get into is, is again, the people are listening to the show, sales leaders, CEOs, people are managing this process as well as salespeople that have to sort of implement it. But what are metrics that you can use as a manager to say, okay, we're having an impact with this. This is, this is helping us. What, what are sort of the common metrics that they should be looking at using? So, you know, that just kind of depends on, on, on your industry, right? I mean, every industry is going to be a little bit different. There's not a one-size-fits-all social selling strategy. And if anybody ever tells you that, they're full of it. Um, but, you know, you really have to sit down as an organization and say, you know, where, 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 what do we need more of, right? What is it going to make a better impression on our customer? What's going to get us into more conversations? What's going to get us into more efficient conversations, right? Quality over quantity, maybe that's something we're looking to improve. Social would be a great place to do that. Then you can put the metrics behind that, right? Maybe it's um, you know engagement. You, there's certain engagements or certain... You want to try to stay away from the vanity metrics, but unfortunately in the beginning of the social selling process is you're trying to get people to adopt um, you kind of do have to focus on that a little bit. So but, just well, define what you mean by vanity metrics and what which are those? So vanity metrics would be like growing your network, right? Getting connected with more buyers, um, you know, sharing more content, uh, increasing your engagement. And there's different metrics and you know, different technologies you can use. You know, LinkedIn, for example, um, would be how many more conversations are you getting into? How many more people are you getting connected with? What does your network look like? you know, on day one versus, you know, three months in, right? Have you grown your connections by 250? Let's look at your connections. Are we connected with the right people? Um, you can use that as a vanity metric. But really, at the end of the day, you want to do things that are revenue generating, right? So once you've gotten kind of past that vanity stage, then, you know, you want to look at things as more conversations, um, you know, value touches, you know, how many times how many people are we connected to within a company 
in the middle of the sales process, right? Um, how many times, and let me ask you this, Andy, how many times do sales reps, you'll go through halfway through the sales process and you ask them, you know, hey, are you connected with this person on LinkedIn, right? Mm -hmm. And they're like, no, you know, I, I just cringe because we got to look at social as another touch in the sales process, right? I think uh, HireVue did a study and they said it took them on average 22 touches, phone, email, social, to get an appointment within, you know, enterprise company. So right. what does that mean? It means that, you know, 15 of those touches were social, right? 12 of those were value touches, which is they weren't asking for anything. They were just becoming visible and valuable as an advocate, right? Mm -hmm. And then they got to that 20 second touch and then they were bringing in, um, it was taking them longer to touch these people um, to get the appointment. But what they were finding was that the sales cycles were shorter because when they were getting into that conversation, they had already been visible and valuable and done enough on the front end that they were able to ask for the, the buyer's time, I guess to say earn the buyer's time and um, you know business in the end. They were, right. you know, they were getting to the right people. They were using social not to connect with below the line like what they were doing before, um, which most organizations get stuck in their pipeline with. But it's saying, okay, we can get connected to multiple people be visible and valuable, and we can leverage social as the tool to get us farther down the sales process when we have that first conversation. So you've used the term visible and valuable several times. Why don't you explain that to the listeners? So I'll give you an example. If your mom, if you wanted, if you were in high school and you wanted to go out with your friends on Friday night, right? And you know that your mom didn't really like you to go over to this guy's house that you were trying to hang out with. What would you do? You know, what would your strategy be? My strategy would be, I'm going to go do the dishes before my mom gets home. I'm going to go clean my room, which I never do, which she yells at me all the time. And then I'm going to put a little cherry on the top and I'm going to go wash her car, right? And when she gets home, guess what? I'm going to look at her and let her, you know, know as, as I'm going to be visible, as it's going to be visible already, when she walks past the car and goes, oh, wow, it's clean. And, you know, goes past and sees a vacuum in my room and it's clean. Um, and then I'm going to ask for something, right? It's the old adage, you gotta give before you ask. Um, and social allows you to do that. Let's give you the example. Let's say that I'm prospecting um, a CMO and that CMO posts on LinkedIn and I'm following it, I'm listening, and he writes a fantastic article and I go in and I read it and um, you know get the value out of it, all right motive, right? It's all about motive, so genuine motive. I learn, I educate, and then I engage with it. I, you know, I, I say, hey, you know, fantastic, piece. I got, you know, value out of point A, B, and C. You know, just one question. What do you think about this, right? Nothing about your product, nothing about you being in sales. And then I go and I share that. I tweet that on Twitter, tag his name. I tweet, I share that on Google Plus, tag his name. Um, and then, you know, other channels if he's there. Immediately, what just happened, right? Do you think that CMO is not paying attention? I mean, unless he's a huge big wig and he gets a ton of, you know, amplification, which is not the case usually. Um, do you not think he's paying attention to who's being an advocate for his content, who's you know adding value through engagement, and who's sharing it to their networks for him, right? All that hard work and emotion that he puts into this content. You'd be out of your mind not to think that he's not paying attention to that. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to automatically get an appointment, right? There's a strategy behind that. But I can tell you that if he's seen you, now he's seen your name on Twitter, share his content. He's seen your name on LinkedIn, engage and share his content, 
and he's seen you on Google Plus, your name, and saw that you shared. That's three touches, all of value, and then you got the fourth touch, which is engagement, right? You've literally started the ball rolling for him to know who you are and looking at you as an advocate versus a salesperson. Okay. It's, is there more? I mean, I'm, I'm just going to keep it simple for now, but <laughs> I, mean, I, I can go on for days about this, Andy. You know that. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. All right. Well, I, th- I think that's a great, a great lesson for, you know, people are saying, okay, how at a basic, at a basic, basic level, how you can use social to attract the attention and begin the engagement process with potential prospects. Exactly. And you know what? Um, like I said, this isn't a silver bullet, right? But I can tell you that if you're doing this on a daily basis, in a consistent basis, you're building a social pipeline, right? Um, and you, will, it's, you, don't, you don't just go in for the kill, um, especially at the highest level. You're selling to the bigger companies. You're not going to go in for the kill and, and with you know, the motive, oh, I shared his content, now I'm going to call him, right? <laughs> hey, CMO, I just shared your content, man. And you, know, you don't do that. Um, yeah. But, but if you look at it almost like a nurture campaign, right? If you look at email, what do we do with clients now? We, you know, we have marketing automation, and what do we do? We nurture them with value emails that, well, what we think is valuable, right? So we nurture them, we nurture them, and then all of a sudden they get to a lead score, and then we pass them over to sales because they're MQL'd, right? Marketing mm-hmm. qualified. Well, social kind of is the same theory, right? You're you know, getting connected, you're staying visible, valuable, you're learning from this person, but you're doing it on a one-to-one basis, right? Versus the spray and pray or the pay and spray. This is really you as a sales rep putting in the time, putting in the effort to really understand who you're going after, who's your target buyer, who would actually get value from your time and vice versa, learning about them, and then effectively going and getting into conversation after you've shown that you at least care a little bit, and not only that, you're showing it because you know stuff about them. You've now just really turned into an advocate, you know, first, and a salesperson second, and you're actually going in after you've earned the right, you know, to ask for their time or ask for their money. And it's not as simple as that, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, no, absolutely. Great, great stuff. So, all right, we're going to move to the last segment of the show. Got some uh, questions I ask all my guests. I'm going to ask you the same questions and uh, we'll have a little fun with it. You ready? Mm-hmm. All right, first question. Hypothetical scenario. You've been hired as the new sales leader at a company whose sales have stalled out. They're really stuck in the mud. They need to get turned around quickly. Senior management's anxious for you to have a big impact quickly. So what two things would you do your first week on the job that would have the biggest impact? I would talk to the top reps. That's the first thing I would do, right? Um, and kind of evaluate what, what they're doing and what they're not doing. And then I would talk to the two bottom reps, you know, some of the bottom reps. And I would kind of compare notes and... Um, I truly believe that the only way that you know what's wrong with you know, what they're currently doing is by asking the people that are doing it, right? Um, I, I don't think you can have any other strategy than that other than to analyze you know, the people that are doing something that works, the people that are doing something that doesn't work, or the people that are they're kind of, it's kind of working but kind of not, comparing notes and analyzing what you need to fix after that point. I, I don't think you, without that information you'd be able to even make a quick fix right so is that one two one thing or two things 
Well, that, okay, let's do this. Let's call that the first thing. And then the second thing, right, would be you know sitting down and analyzing the industry. I think too many times you've got leaders, sales leaders in a position where they were, you know, they've had success and their resume looks really good, but these people are, they're stuck, right? They're stuck way back in time and they haven't caught up and they don't want to change. And so since they don't want to change, it affects everybody else from changing, right? So really figuring out if you put me in control is how can we change the fastest, be the most efficient, um, but not have it take a ton of time. Because I think that's a, a lot of the problem too, is you see these companies change um, all their processes and things, they go a little bit too heavy on change, and then it stalls and you know, sometimes it just screws up everything. So doing, implementing little changes at a time um, based on you know, the feedback that I've got of what's working and what's not from you know, all levels of the reps um, from a success aspect. Okay, <clears throat> good, good answer. So. Uh, now we got some rapid fire questions for you. So in your own selling, what's your most powerful sales attribute? Connecting. I connect. I, I have conversations all day. I am on the phone all day long. And guess how many sales conversations I'm having daily? You tell me. None. Because I'm, I'm, I'm being proactive versus reactive in my pipeline. The more conversations I have with people, um, is a referral might not be the target buyer, but I just love to talk to people. I love to help people. I love to hear what people are going through. I like to self-educate through other people's experiences. And when you build your network and you do enough for people, it will self-generate, right? Um, mm -hmm. when, when you lead with value and you leave with um, you know, it, the, the motive to inspire people on a daily basis, on way more aspects of life than just your product, your network will grow and people will want to give you business. But not only that, people will want to refer you business. I can't tell you most of my business is referrals, right? Because people um, are talking me up as an advocate to their, to their network. And if you've built the right network of people, you can really build a powerful funnel, um, but it does take a lot of time and a lot of hard work and a lot of conversations. <laughs> okay, so what's the one tool you use for managing your own sales that you can't live without? Oh man, let's see. Uh, I don't think I could live without Twitter. Who's your sales role model? Oh man, my grandfather. What'd he sell? Uh, direct, he did direct sales. He sold MasterGuard, which is heat and smoke detectors. And he would walk into your home, knock on your door at five o'clock at night and sell you $3,000 worth of heat and smoke detectors. And he became a millionaire, um, without even, uh, graduating middle school because, you know, his, his motto was before you could understand and motivate anyone else. I have it right up here. Uh, you must first understand and motivate yourself. And he was a self motivator and he was just fired up. His internal fire was always lit to inspire others to be better. And he focused on others first and sales second. Excellent. So what's the one book every salesperson should read? Uh, you know what? I'm going to tell you right now, my absolute 100% favorite book is not taught by Jim Keenan. It will wake a traditional laggard mindset up. Okay. That's a good recommendation. I, I, Jim was on the show for two episodes. We talked about the book. Book called Not Taught. Um, 
All right, here's a tough question. So what's your favorite music to listen to? Oh man, it's changing, but I'm not gonna lie. Maybe I shouldn't admit this, but uh, I'm a believer. You know, Justin Bieber's new CD is just dirty. <laughs> yeah, maybe you should. Maybe you shouldn't admit it. <laughs> hey, hey somebody's gotta listen to it. Man, this is this is who I am. I'm a believer. Okay, I believe right. in selling and his music. Are you? I, I, are you 21? No, I'm 33 now. All right, I'm just giving you a hard time. So, what's the first sales activity you do every day? Check my calendar, make sure I'm, because I'm very good at forgetting things on my calendar if I don't look first thing. And then um, I check my, all my social channels and engage. I always engage. I, I'm, I will, you will never tweet me or share something of mine or advocate for me without me engaging back. It's, it's just what I do and it's had a lot of impact on my success. Okay, so last question is, what's the one question you get asked most frequently by salespeople? How do I social sell? Where do I start? And your answer is? Keep it simple, stupid. Um, you know, focus on doing everything on social, but selling. And think about, you know, shift your mindset. If I was the buyer and... I would want, and I was going to get approached by a salesperson. What would that salesperson have to do first before I'd give him my time and especially my business? All right. Good answer. All right. Well, I want to thank you for joining me today. My guest has been Jack Kozakowski. Jack, tell people how they can find out more about you. Yeah. So you can go um, to jackkozakowski.com. Um, I'm not going to spell it. You'll see it on yeah, the. It'll be on the show notes page, right? Yeah, um, I'm super active on Twitter, so tweet at me. Um, I'd love to hear what your feedback is. You could argue with me. I'm okay. I can handle criticism if you want. Um, but just be careful because I'm a, a witty dude. Um, and tweet <laughs> at me or you can you know, send me an email, jack at creationagency.com if you want to have you know, chat. LinkedIn, I'm super active. I write a ton of content. Um, I'm all over the place. Just, just Google it. All right, good. Well, friends, remember, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And subscribing to this podcast is an easy way to do that because then you'll make sure you don't miss any of our conversations with top business experts like our guest today, Jack Kosakowski, who share their expertise about how to accelerate the growth of your business. So thanks for joining us. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com. Hey, sales strategists. At Revenue.io, we're not just imagining the future of sales. We're building it. We offer the world's most complete platform for revenue teams, and we're featured in the most recent Forrester Waves for both sales engagement and conversation intelligence. With Revenue.io, you can slash call prep time to seconds, guide your reps in real time to have more successful conversations, and after calls, we generate ready-to-send recap emails so sellers can keep deals soaring toward the finish line at light speed. See the future of sales now at Revenue.io.